Brian Powell of I Run Far here with Jonathan Albin after his win at the 2021 Grand Trail de Templier. How are you? I'm pretty good. Actually quite stiff. Uh, yeah, you, you got work today uh, a little bit? Yeah, no, it was tough. It was tough. Like, I've done six and a half hour races, but normally they're steep, not technicality. You only run maybe 50, 55k. Whereas this, you're running the entire time almost. There's some hiking sections, but using the same muscles in a very different way a lot more. So is it The race went out hot, at least from looking at it. Like there were 10 or 12 guys that just yeah, it, were trained. I mean, when it's runnable like this, it's harder to make gaps as well. So the peloton, if you will, like kind of sticks together a bit better as well. So it did feel like there was a big group of us all going like a pretty good speed. But I at least felt like I was running my own race. I even uh, took off on the downhill and put in a bit of a gap of them. And then they caught me back up. And I just felt like I was cruising fast. And it was really manageable for me energy-wise. But whether my muscles and my legs could actually take that pounding was like the big question mark as I was running yeah. along. Yeah, those first 10, 20 kilometers, they're just ticking on by. Uh, you're in the lead some, but there's also this just huge group, literally yeah, like yeah, yeah. 10 or 12 guys together at 20K within a minute. Yeah. When do you, does it, when, there really wasn't a gap opening up, I guess. Like Not really, not, but then... Like, um, Randomly, I managed to get a minute gap somewhere after the first aid station, so after 35k. Yeah. And then that gap, I like kind of decided by then, oh, maybe I should just try and, you know, like keep this gap. And then I kind of, in hindsight, think maybe that was a bit early. Yeah. So to then go on and run however much it was, like 40, 45k, or whatever it is. I mean, that's like um, got to be the hardest position, like to yeah. be in first by just a little bit yeah yeah and then uh, knowing that you're not actually growing your gap as well and you're looking over your shoulder mm -hmm. you're you're wondering how fast they're going and trying to pace yourself try not to push too hard but still try and keep the gap there at least stay out of sight so as soon as they see you it's kind of like they can reel you in a lot easier um and then just the terrain got so much slower in that second half so it becomes frustrating that at some point, you thought the race was just really ticking by. You're not going to take that long, or you've got good energy. Yeah. Because now you're fighting the terrain. There's a lot of bends. There's a lot of like the sub four Ks are over. It's it's yeah. a whole. It's it's like a, it's a different battle. Um, and not like, just ups and down. Like the tur. The, yeah, yeah, no, it's like convoluted. Whole, it was an actual trail, like a proper trail race. It was rough. Like it wasn't so much technical as in if you fall you'll die in many places but it was definitely it was very rough um which i i did enjoy as well because i think if it would just been 8k of what we were doing in the first the first 20k it might have got a little bit boring so i yeah. was glad it did get a bit kind of technical uh, but it definitely did make like energy management and pacing and um staying out front like a bit more a bit more challenging and then you come to the last hill and you're not alone yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of figured that the last bit would suit me loads because you have to hike pretty much. And uh, then the downhills, I thought were going to be technical and they were for the most part pretty yep. technical. So I thought if I can get to those last two climbs, I think I'm like pretty good. And then the first of the two, I felt pretty bad. Yeah. So it was like, it was hot. The sun had come out. It seemed to be really facing the sun. I did not feel very spiky. Um, good at all and then it wasn't it, like you did the steep climb i hiked it out yeah, fine and then it went like gradual for like a k into the aid station so then you, you just feel like you're moving so slow and it's kind of around five percent you should be striding out you should be powerful but you're not anymore tell. so that 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 was like a struggle but then still i managed to keep this two minute gap the whole way through the um the last climb is like a bit more manageable it's like a little bit less 
big and I kind of knew if I got to the top there then that was it so it was kind of thinking back to Troms so thinking at least I'm not doing 1,100 meters of it so uh, it couldn't be that bad yeah and, uh, got up there got down finished and was yeah did you happy. think if you had that last downhill was that did you see that as an advantage for yourself like if you were just a minute ahead of Seb yeah, I think like I could have smashed that downhill faster. Yeah. I think I could have done it really well. So, the, um, but it's it's tough. Like these downhills on tired legs with eighty k in your legs, it's like it's different if you're going at them yeah. at them fresh. So, I'm pretty sure that could have played into my advantage. But I don't know Seb that well. I know he can run. Like he is a bit of a beast. So, yeah. uh, like who knows? That was also part of the thing with knowing that there's someone behind me and knowing who it probably is and having a lot of question marks as to what his skills are or I mean even looking at previous races that he's done here and how fast he's gone and the average speeds he's had yeah. it's impressive so to know that he's in good shape he's injury free and he's just two minutes behind me for four or five hours it was like pretty yeah. intimidating. I mean, you had Seb, but you also had Benoit Corey who like, oh. made a move on you and those yeah, two yeah, have yeah. won four, I think like the last four yeah. the Tompier put together. Generally, I don't really follow that many athletes yeah. and I'm not sort of like, yeah, following that many people, but I think tactically it might be a good idea to do a little bit of research a little bit. before, <laughs> but then again, it's ultimately I'll try and do the course as quickly as I can do it and maybe that's like the best way to go about yeah. it. But it, it, Maybe mean, you maybe you match up and put in a surge with 10k to go if you're fighting with somebody but yeah i definitely yeah. think it might have been a, a nicer race for me to wait a little bit with the gaff and then try and make it in the in the end there. but i mean it was an experience and um, it's always nice to battle through and know that you have that push in you mm -hmm. um i obviously in occ i pushed harder than i ever thought i could do uh and it's great to find out that i can i can do it multiple times in a year or at least i haven't lost it completely yeah so, it's good. so you had that and i believe you ran at ultra pyrenee as well the marathon yeah, that and won that yeah but there's one thing of having races on your calendar and planning for them this was kind of a last minute addition <laughs> yeah. in, in a rather long race yeah you know, in so. the first race of the year i picked up a bit of a weird niggle in my ankle so it wasn't yeah, I'm, I'm still not really sure what it was and it's it's been getting steadily worse and it's not been great after Utrepia now so like I just thought I'm not going to do this mm -hmm. I did a, a couple of road runs last week and thought I think my legs work pretty good like could you go and give it a shot so booked some flights on Sunday and then figured like just head down like I've never been here before it'd be a cool trip anyway and I'm sure mm -hmm. I'll, I'll enjoy myself uh, and I'll just pull out if it gets that painful um, I do think that biomechanically a lot of my other muscles were getting really stressed out and like I had a lot of problems like for other muscles because I was probably running quite differently, but I managed through and it's kind of like that just grit it out kind of thing. And yeah. um, everyone gets aches and pains and different pains here and there and something like this anyway. So just mine started maybe a little bit earlier. So than now I would you, liked. you made it through this one with your ankle <laughs> sort of functioning. Are you going to call it a season or are you going to? I would love to and I think I will. I'm definitely going to take a week off now. I'm going to go and see a physio. I'm going to get scanned done, try and take it seriously because I should do because then I need to train, obviously, through to next year. Yeah. There is the Spartan World Champs in Abu Dhabi in December, which, like, I should go to, really, like, it, yeah. Um, and then if Trail World Champs go ahead in February, it's like, like there's, no, there's, no, there's no break, is it? It's just sort of six to seven weeks between every race. 
and I didn't want to get some skiing done too, and I actually need to train at some point. Yeah, um, about that. So we'll see. You'll but, see. I mean, it's fun. Since I had my toe operation, I can actually run now, which is the most important thing, and I'm enjoying running, and it's obviously paying off fitness-wise. So the fact that I could actually run through the winter if I sort out the ankle, obviously, is like golden anyway. So I just need to be thankful for that. Yeah. Um, so you say you, you do some skiing as well. Oh, like not not so much racing because obviously there hasn't been much in the past two years. Yeah. And with touring races, bad weather and dodgy conditions and stuff can obviously often get in the way. So I've only done a handful of races. Like I would like straight to race. ski mountaineering or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would like to race a bit more, but it's mainly training. So like in the winter, say like between ten and fifteen thousand meters a week on the skis, and then a little bit of running on the side too. I was hoping this winter I'd do a bit more running anyway, just to try and keep the running legs there but that is amazing training it's really fun you get so many hours done um it's just a really fun sport in itself so yeah um i'm a big big fan of london or ski touring and yeah just so, now, so lucky that i live somewhere i can do it totally so now you're sort of building up you have had a couple of longer races now uh are you eyeing anything even longer in the future yeah like i think it is a challenge and it is it is fun i still want to i think for now at least concentrate on the long races where you feel like you know your, your foot's on the gas and you're kind of you are racing it's intense mm -hmm. rather than just i need to manage myself for the entire race instead so i still think i'm in that racing place but i would love to do like utmb or western states eventually at some point yeah and like maybe ccc next year which is what 100 uh would be really fun um we'll see like i i'm generally still interested in doing all different types of uh, racing obstacle racing included yeah. i've only done one so far this year which was the spartan european champs the ocr world champs was in the states so i couldn't go yeah uh, i couldn't get an exception from the um to the <laughs> visa um so you really do like mixing it up oh yeah, yeah definitely like uh it's it's fun to try different disciplines and it's fun to build your skill set. And I actually think most people associate me with a technical sky runner, but to be honest, the big steep climbs are one of my biggest weaknesses. So I think maybe concentrating on the sky running through the last years actually uh, improved my performances in a race like this. But I think a race like this plays to my skill set way more, which is would surprise yeah. a lot of people. Well, this and this is in the sense of the skill set is it's a mix of skills. Yeah, yeah. You need to be able to run yeah, fast yeah. and efficiently endure the the wiggles throughout yeah. the course and be able to hike at times yeah but i think the running stride is probably what people would think that i was lacking so i don't come from a track background or a yeah, marathon background but i do that is feel i do have that is one of my big strengths is the running stride so how do you um, think i think it'd be interesting for people to hear maybe what you think the basis of that is since you haven't come from a you know a track pedigree or a road racing pedigree how does that uh have you built that i think like obviously tr the training i've done has helped but ultimately, I think, like, maybe I was born with, yeah. like, a nice stride. Uh, <laughs> and I think I run quite naturally in a certain way, which is, like, helps me in that. So I don't think I can take all the credit for yeah. it. I think I did my first race, running race, which was, like, a half marathon. And, like, even looking at photos, it looks like I'm sort of up on my toes. I'm leaning forward. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, like... But it's not all accidental, otherwise. You, you do oh, interval training. my parents. But you also <laughs> do interval training. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, no, like, there is a lot of training that goes like, into it's it. It's not just um, going out and doing a, a two-hour no, no, slog no, no. on I think every day. I've definitely, from having the toe problem, learned a lot about training and how to do certain types of training and do the least 
possible in order to have good shape, which has been great. But then also since the toes improved and I've been able to go out and do more just like general running as well, that's helped a load as well. Mm -hmm. So I've learned so much from like the different periods of my life from having injury and not having injury and also living like um, in the Romsdalen now with people like Ida Nilsson or Killian and like training with them and seeing how they do it and their takes on how you should train as a mountain athlete is really important too because a lot of us fall into the trap of looking at what the uh, college student studies do or looking at what the marathoners do and stuff and then we being mountain athletes just do it on steroids and just do it to like the the max but actually maybe that isn't the best approach to take and people like Killian don't train like that and it's actually really interesting to look at how they train and see how you can implement it in your own training it's just the problem with Killian is he can do so much of it and not get injured. I don't, I don't think anyone should copy exactly what he does. They need to really just take the principles and implement mm-hmm. them themselves. Yeah, unfortunately, he put up, helped put together a book on that. So yeah, no, yeah, no. athlete like that is actually. One I mean, of have the, you read that? I assume. yeah, it's one of the best and only books that really um, includes skiing and running, obviously, which is like a great yeah. thing, especially for me. But also just look at the strengths and the skills required for running in the mountains there's not that many books around which look at that there's a lot of books where people that run in the mountains write books but they're not as i don't know they're, they're not as like well thought through on the training front and mm-hmm. being informative and in some of that has to be based on anecdotal evidence because the study of the 20 year old 10 you know 5k athlete on the yeah. track isn't going to necessarily translate not so much and there's like also a lot of skill stuff that you can get from the book and there's a lot of skill uh drill type workouts even for running uphill which you would never actually think of but they're in there and they're absolutely golden and you do them really help well killian actually was the one that recommended me one in the spring and it's helped a bunch what was that sure (laughs) um where you run for a certain amount of time maybe like three minutes with really fast feet really high cadence continually uphill yeah and then change to really big bounding strides really sort of like building a sort of like high stiffness in your legs kind of and then switch back to the fast feet again Mm -hmm. so you're taking like both ends of the spectrum and practicing them so your actual uphill running stride is way more efficient and Mm -hmm. way way better it's a really good one now having done the the two (laughs) the two ends of that spectrum there is a a a sweet spot of efficiency in the middle but do you ever find yourself on a really long climb actually varying that consciously to that's also what killian said that yeah. yeah like um Especially when you start a climb, it's really great to go straight into the fast feet just to sort of like get yourself running. Or if you're going between hiking and running, when you start the hiking a little bit so you can do the fast feet. I've not done so much of the bounding, but I definitely know when there's a big step or you're jumping over something, it helps a lot that you don't get that sudden hit of lactic acid in your leg. You don't get that stiffness suddenly because you're a lot more used to it. And like a workout like that is like really really handy and really fun and it's not that hard either you just concentrate on doing the um the movements and you could look at a hill or a mountain thing i could never run all the way up that but once you break up into these three minutes before you know it you're at the top and it's been a great workout and um, then it can be coupled really well which they do that in the morning and then maybe like an interval session like a happy hard lighter interval session in the evening and your legs already feel kind of primed already and the stride is kind of there so, um all right time for the little experimentation this winter <laughs> might be in the works. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. And congratulations. Thank you very Look much. Look forward to seeing Cheers. you out there again. Cheers, guys.